It's time for the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. It's time for the game on ESPN 1400. For the next two hours, we'll get an in-depth look at local sports in the eastern Upper Peninsula and Algoma region and hear from the coaches and players involved in the game. We'll also analyze the college and pro sports scene across the region and dive into the biggest national stories. Now, let's get to the game and join your host, Scott Nason. Greetings and salutations and welcome to the game on ESPN 1400. You can also hear our show online at 1400ESPN.net and podcasts available at thegamesportshow.podbean.com. As the man said, my name is Scott Nason, broadcasting from our ESPN 1400 studios in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, on this Monday, August 16th, 2021. The game, the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. We'll be with you up until 8 o'clock tonight right here on ESPN at 1400. And coming up on the game around 6.15, we'll be joined by co-host Butch Davis for our interview with the executive director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, Mark Yule, will be joining us to give us a heads up on the upcoming high school sports season after that, we'll be talking to co-host David McKaig Jr., host of the Game Sports Show in Sioux, Ontario, to give his perspective on the world of sports. And then we'll be rejoined by Butch Davis for the Detroit Sports Report, along with our roundtable. We do have some local sports to cover here on the game as, well, last week, teams participating in all nine sports for which the Michigan High School Athletic Association sponsors postseason tournaments featuring more than 100,000 student athletes statewide began practice. With a return to traditional schedules and the MHSCA tournament formats after COVID-19 resulted in various adjustments for the fall 2020 season. Postseason competition in cross-country, football, golf, tennis, and swimming and diving will revert to their customary formats this season, with all sports in the fall scheduled based on their traditional calendars, with the beginning practice dates of last Monday, August 9th. And at this time, there are no COVID-19 related state ordered restrictions regarding school sports for either athletes or spectators from either the MHSAA or the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. County health departments and local school districts may institute restrictions for venues in their arenas and teams traveling to those schools and venues must follow local mandates. One of the most anticipated sports-related changes for fall 2021 is the full implementation of the enhanced strength of schedule format for selecting the 256-team field for the 11-player football playoffs. The new format eliminates automatic qualification based on win totals, and bases it solely on playoff point average, which is also determined differently in that it now awards teams for more tough schedules that they play. We'll be talking more about this with Mark Ewell coming up. The new playoff format formula was used in 2020 to seed teams at the district and regional levels, but its use for qualification was put on hold as COVID-19 caused a one-season switch in playoff format that allowed all teams to qualify. So for the 
teams in our area or the sports in our area in the fall for cross-country UP finals will be on October 23rd. 11-player football selection Sunday is October 24th with pre-districts October 29th or 30th. District finals November 5th or 6th. Regional finals November 12th or 13th. Semifinals November 20th and finals November 26th through 27th. An eight-player football selection Sunday will also be on October 24th. Regional semifinals October 29th or 30th. Regional finals November 5th or 6th. Semifinals November 13th and finals November 19th or 20th. For girls volleyball, their districts will be the week of November 1st through the 6th. Regionals will be November 9th and 11th. Quarterfinals, November 16th. Semifinals, November 18th and 19th, with the girls' volleyball finals being on November 20th. Well, we're just under two weeks away from the beginning of the high school football season in 11-player football, which has just two teams in the Eastern Upper Peninsula, Sioux High and St. Ignace. Those two teams will face each other as the Blue Devils off their successful season last year, winning a playoff game, will travel to St. Ignace to meet the Saints on Friday, August 27th. You can hear that game over on our sister station, 1230 WSO with Dave Watson, as the Blue Devils and Saints, again, will tangle on October, excuse me, October, August 27th. And coming up next Monday night on the game, we'll be talking Sioux High football with their head coach, Scott Menard. Week one in eight-player football sees our first broadcast of the EUP Game of the Week over on Country 105 with Matt Pocket, as the Pickford Panthers will host Gaylord St. Mary on August 27th. Cedarville Detour will be at Munising also on Friday, August 27th, while Brimley is at Newberry. Engadine will host Ironwood, that game also on August 27th. And Rudyard will begin their season on Saturday, August 28th, with an afternoon home game against Superior Central. Freshman Chloe May for the Pickford Pirates, who completed a very successful season For the Pirates, well, she put her name in the MHSAA records list. May went six for six, including three home runs and seven RBIs in the Pickford's 26-12 win over St. Ignace. And those stats put May in the MHSAA individual records list in three categories, although not breaking any overall records outright. The three home runs in one game ranks second in state records, tying May with a group of players listed for three homer games. Courtney Robinson of Detroit Kettering holds a state record and is the only player to hit four home runs in a single game. May also made the MHSAA records list for home runs and consecutive at-bats with two and for RBIs in a game with seven. The all-time record for homers and consecutive at-bats is five, while the record for RBIs in a game is 14. The MHSA list for RBIs in a game starts at six, while home runs and consecutive at-bats starts with two. So congratulations to Ms. May, and she will be back next season and certainly will be one to watch. The Sioux Greyhounds announced that Kirill Kudrasayev, the team's first-round selection in the 2021 CHL import draft, has signed a standard player agreement with the club. Greyhounds general manager Kyle Raftis indicated he was excited to announce the signing of this sixth overall pick for the Hounds. A native of Russia, the 17-year-old defenseman spent last season with local Yaroslav 
in the MHL, Russia's top junior hockey league, where he recorded two goals and seven points for 20 games. Most recently, he was selected to represent Russia in the Helinka Gretzky Cup, where he notched a goal and an assist in five games, playing played en route to winning a gold medal. The overage situation for the Sioux Greyhounds is slowly coming together as the team prepares for the opening of their training camp later this month. With 10 2001 birth years on the roster at the end of the COVID-19 shortened 2019-2020 OHL season, three players from that group, group remain. Greyhounds general manager Kyle Raftis confirmed last week that goaltender Ethan Taylor, defenseman Drew Roro, and forward Cullen McLean have been waived by the club. All three have cleared waivers. The news of Taylor being waived means the team will head into training camp at this point with rookie netminders after they relinquished, relinquished rather the rights to Nick Malik ahead of the Canadian Hockey League import draft in June. The prospects prospect situation and goal for the team includes a trio of goaltenders taken in the 2020 OHL priority selection, including Charlie Schenkel, Nolan Dunn, and Tyler Muzalek. So the Sioux Greyhounds certainly will have some uh, decisions to be made as far as those overage players. And the Sioux Greyhounds are scheduled to open at their training camp on August 30th with their first regular season game scheduled to be played at home on Friday, October 8th, against North Bay. The Northern Ontario Junior Hockey League Sioux Thunderbirds, well, they added another local player to the mix last week. As just days after their development camp, the Thunderbirds signed Sioux native Colby Arbor to a contract. Arbor, who played high school hockey at St. Mary's College locally, joins the team after a strong showing at camp over the weekend. The Sioux Thunderbirds will be in action in their regular season opener at the Sioux Eagles on Friday, September 17th. And we'll have that game right here and all Sioux Eagles home games on your home for the Sioux Eagles ESPN 1400. Tony Esposito, a Hall of Fame goaltender who rose to fame with the Chicago Blackhawks, died this past week at the age of 78. Esposito from Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, came to prominence in Chicago after being claimed off waivers from the Montreal Canadiens in 1969. That season, he posted a 38-17-9 record with 15 shutouts, winning the first of his three Vezina trophies as the NHL's top goaltender, as well as the Calder Trophy as the league's top rookie. He went on to play 15 seasons in Chicago, retiring in 1984. A six-time All-Star, Esposito had a career record of 423-306-151 with a 2.92 goals against average and a 9.06 save percentage with 76 shutouts. He was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1988, four years after his brother, Boston Bruins legend Phil Esposito. The new season of Coach's Corner will return with Dave Watson, the voice of the Sioux High Blue Devils, on Saturday, August 28th at 11.05 a.m. over on our sister station, 1230 WSOO. This show, which focuses on local sports, will be heard every Saturday throughout the local sports season and will feature the scores that matter to start the show, along with coaches, players, and individuals involved in the local sports season. You can also find Coach's Corner online at 1230wso.com or on the TuneIn app, along with podcasts of the show and all Sioux High Blue Devil broadcasts 
on our website, thegamesportshow.podbean.com. We're going to take our first break of the night here on the game, but we come back, we're going to talk to the executive director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, Mark Ewell, who will join us once again on the game, coming up next here on ESPN 1400. It's 2021 and Reed Metals in Daffer, your honest, main source, one-stop metal recycling business serving northern Michigan, hopes everyone has a prosperous year. If you need a few extra dollars to help with your cooling bills or that trip you may want to take to the warm state of Hawaii, bring Reed Metals your unwanted scrap metals and they'll print you a check. Reed Metals is paying top dollar for whole scrap vehicles. They also buy heavy equipment, catalytic converters, radiators, batteries, rims, and motors. Reed Metals will give you an honest price without surprise fees or deductions at the scale. Bring in copper, brass, lead, tin, cast, aluminum, steel, and many more types of recyclable metals, and they'll print you a check with your name on it. Reed Metals is your honest, one-stop metal recycling business. They also offer roll-off dumpster service. Reed Metals is open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Visit ReedMetals.com or call 906-632-0018. Bring it in or have it hauled, and Reed Metals will print you a check with your name on it. Reed Metals, 10 miles south of the Sioux on Mackinac Trail. At Old Mission Bank, we're ready to make your home ownership dreams a reality. We're excited to announce that we now offer USDA home loans with options for 100% financing. You heard that right, 100% financing for qualifying USDA mortgages. Come see our experienced lenders to discuss your personal options and let us find the right mortgage for your needs because it's what we do best. Act now to pre-qualify by calling us or apply directly online at OMBLoans.com. We're Old Mission Bank, home of your experienced local mortgage professionals. FDIC insured equal housing lender. Summer, the change of seasons is sure to bring a smile to your face. Don't let your mood sour at the prospect of dealing with that unreliable mower for yet another year. Rely on the experts at Gaylor Thompson Sales and Service. Their highly skilled technicians can help. Gaylor Thompson Sales and Service takes pride in their work, and they know that an ounce of prevention can mean years of reliability down the road. Call them to talk about your service needs or stop in and chat with Paul and the gang today. Gaylor Thompson Sales and Service, just off I-75, exit 373, Rudyard, Michigan. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Madigan Pingator, your independent auto owner's agency on West Water Street in the Sioux. You can catch podcasts of the game at thegamesportshow.com. Now let's get back to it with Scott Nason here on ESPN 1400. 614 on the game, ESPN 1400, Scott Nason with you. Joining us right now, co-host of the game, Butch Davis from Butch on Sports. Butch, how you doing on this Monday, sir? Great here. How you doing, Scott? I'm doing wonderful, and Butch is joining us a little early tonight. He'll be back with us later on as we are joined by our first guest, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, Mark Yule, joining us once again on the game. Mark, appreciate you taking time to join us, and welcome back to the game. Good to be on with you guys. Mark, uh, before we uh, get into the plans for the uh, upcoming fall sports season and looking ahead to the entire school year, I kind of asked this question before we went on the air, but have you had any chance or any downtime over the past couple months after a very challenging 2020-2021 high school sports season? 
you know, we took a few minutes once spring sports ended to kind of catch our breath. Um, there hasn't been much rest. You know, you never know what's around the next corner in terms of uh, more orders from either the governor's office or MDHHS. What I can tell your listeners is we're in a much different place, though, than we were last uh, August. Uh, there are no current statewide mandates when it comes to wearing a mask. There are no mandates requiring the rapid testing. And there's no uh, restrictions right now on crowd sizes when games start here and some sports the end of this week and with uh, football starting next week. So while certainly the Delta variant has made things a little more complicated, you know, numbers are up um, and there hasn't been much rest over the summer, um, I have to be be completely frank that we are in a much better spot than we were last August. And uh, that's why I'm sure your listeners can hear a little more optimism in my voice this year uh, versus when we talked uh, a year ago, August. That's good to hear, Mark. Butch, we'll go to you for your first question for Mark Ewell. Oh, boy. With the current, uh, <laughs> I hate to do this, but with the current uh, flex right now on uh, the Delta virus there, uh, what are you guys doing in regards to uh, somewhat strengthening the uh, the protection uh, rate for uh, the athletes as well as the coaching staffs and everybody else? Well, Butch, I think the one thing we, we've got is, is, you know, everybody since the start of pa- the pandemic said we need to follow the science and the data. And the one thing that we have six months' worth of right now is athletic data taken directly from Michigan kids. You go back to last January when we finished up fall sports, we were testing those football, volleyball, and swimmers three times a week, and we had a positive uh, percentage of right around 1%. That then rolled into winter where we had to test all of our wrestlers within 24 hours um, before every meet. Um, and that positive percent was just under 2%. And then um, the epidemic order uh, forced us to test all spring athletes. didn't matter if you were in a contact sport like soccer or lacrosse or the, the two most non-contact sports that exist, um, which are tennis and golf. Um, our test rate during the spring was 0.17%, in other words, less than a fifth of a person. So what that six months of testing data shows me is not only um, could we play, but it was safe to play. In that six months of data, uh, many of those activities were contact sports, they were indoors, and they showed that sports were not the super spreader event. So, Butch, as you cited, you know, with the rise in, in the Delta variant case uh, numbers, certainly, uh, you know, we're, we're still on guard and, and still looking at things very, very quick, carefully. But if we're following the science and the data, going back to our six months of state-required testing, um, we feel like we can continue to keep kids, coaches, officials, and spectators uh, all as safe as we can uh, while still uh, while still keeping kids active. Mark, uh, the fall sports season has begun for teams participating in all nine sports, which the MHSAA sponsors postseason tournaments. Uh, it's only been a week. It's been early. How have things gone so far? Great first week of practice. Uh, today uh, starts week two. Um, about half of our fall sports, uh, they get to start comp- uh, competing this week. So we've got our first uh, golf matches of the year going on. Uh, tennis matches are just around the corner. And then some of our team sports, uh, they'll get rolling here by the end of this week. Um, 
I'm telling you, the the vibe that has completely changed, and there are no state mandates. It, it bears repeating. Um, there's no required mask wearing. There's no required testing, and there's no limits on crowds. And you know, I've been asked by a lot of people, "What are you looking most forward to this fall?" And you know, is it football? And to be honest, what goes on on the field, um, I'm not all that excited. I'm excited about it. But in so many of our communities around our state, Friday night is so much more than the football team. It's the marching band. It's cheerleaders. It's dance team. It's the palm squad. It's um, the seniors doing a fundraiser or recognizing different student groups at halftime. That's the thing we really missed over the last year, you know. Um, we got a lot of compliments for figuring out a way to have three seasons last year, and we did that. And, you know, in a lot of cases, it was only two spectators, spectators per kid last year. The thing you lost was, I think, the greatest value we have in high school sports, and that's the sense of community. So I can't wait for, uh, you know, districts all across the eastern UP, um, those communities just below the bridge that are within your uh, the range of your station, I just can't wait to see our communities come back together again and really be able to celebrate what we do and uh, but still do it as safely as we can. You speak for many on that, sir. Mark Ewell joining us on the game, executive director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, along with co-host Butch Davis, who has the next question for Mark. Yeah, well, going back into the well again here, uh, they're recommending now a, a booster shot or a third shot for many who are compromised or maybe have uh, diabetes or asthma, whatever may be there. Uh, what do you say to your, uh, again, to your staff or to the players that are basically in this particular situation and also maybe the parents or whatnot there? Uh, is there any reluctancy on, uh, uh, going to a plan B if this, uh, if this things get out of hand here? So, um, Butch, the tough questions are coming from you tonight. Um, <laughs> I'm the, I'm the know, reporter. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I'm journalist here. You know, the, uh, from a personal standpoint, um, I got vaccinated at my very first opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. I understand that vaccination is a personal choice. Um, my personal choice and those that are part of my family, we have all gotten vaccinated because we believe that that is the quickest way back to some normalcy. Now, when it comes to the, the booster shot or the third dose, I think what everybody needs to understand about the vaccines is it's not going to be required or mandated. But if there's a positive case on your team or if there's a positive case in your English class or with kids that you're sitting with at lunch, you know, local county health departments are still going to work back through the contact tracing. And if kids really want to have a face-to-face in the school building experience during the day and for athletics to look as close to normal as it can, I'm telling you, if you want to remove – I was never good in track, but I knew that the, the more hurdles you could take off the track, the better the chances I had to get to the finish line. Mm-hmm. And if you're vaccinated and there are positive cases around you, the number of hurdles for you to continue to keep playing are so much fewer if you're vaccinated. So um, you don't want to worry about who you're sitting by on the bus or in class in, or at lunch. Um, it's be vaccinated because all of the contact tracing requirements uh, really go out the window if you're dealing with people that are fully vaccinated. And I just hope that, you know, there's families across our state who are who are having uh, that thoughtful conversation in their homes. Yeah, but let me follow up on that there. For instance, uh, 
districts like Detroit, where basically Detroit right now has a very low rate of people going to get vaccinated there, especially in minorities and blacks. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> this is kind of worrisome there in a way that I know Detroit public school system plan on opening up, and they all teachers agreed that they should be going back in the classroom per se there. But again, you know, is there a plan B in dealing with this if there is something wrong? And, of course, the governor might have a say on this up to a certain point there. Sure. So I was actually at, at East. I was at one of the Detroit public schools for a, a uh, AD in-service event on Saturday morning. So um, mm-hmm. their district policy is masks indoors. So we went into the building and, mm-hmm. um, you know, we had masks on during during the presentation and really then just got to socialize with some of the athletic directors and coaches with DPS. And, you know, certainly, as you said, Butch, the, the minority population, um, not just in Detroit, but I think in, in many parts of the country, there's mm-hmm. just more skepticism that, you know, because the government has so, been so closely aligned with the vaccination that they're just in those communities seem to be more questions and concerns. But mm-hmm. um, I know DPS, they're requiring vaccination of their staff, which, uh, they can require of their employees. And if there are outbreaks amongst their students, um, we're going to work with the local health departments. It might mean that some of their teams need to take a pause for a week as we keep everybody else as safe as we can. And again, back to your you know original question, if you want to remove as many hurdles from the track as possible, it uh, it's when you're fully vaccinated. And we just hope that uh, Lots of families are making that decision. Mark Ewell joining us on the game, executive director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. And and one more question for me on this, Mark, is uh, mass mandates uh, with no mandates in the state uh, are left to the county health departments and the individual school districts. Uh, Sioux Area Public Schools came out last week making masks optional along with vaccines. Uh, Is there a scenario in in the games where an individual district or school district might require masks for athletes and spectators, vaccinated or unvaccinated? And would the visiting team have to abide by those rules? I think I know the answer, but I wanted to hear it from you. Sure. Um, I have heard no plans for required vaccination. So that that that's an issue um, I'm not yet aware of. When it comes to masks, we do have some districts that are for the fall requiring masks to be worn indoors. So what that means is that spectators heading inside the volleyball and downstate heading into girls swimming and diving, they're going to have to wear a mask. Now, in volleyball, when we've been asked by schools that are creating a local policy that, you know, our school policy is going to be masks indoors, what we've encouraged them to do, because there's not a state mandate, is, okay, require it for kids who are sitting on the bench or kids, you know, before games, after games, But what our data shows from last year is that the virus was not being spread during competition. So when kids are on the floor in the volleyball game, um, then go without a mask. And then when kids come out of the game, the mask comes on. A lot of states did that last year, and it seemed to work out quite well. Um, So I have a lot of confidence and optimism for the fall. If the Delta variant numbers, you know, remain – in, in a growth pattern, what I'm really concerned about is winter. That's where yeah. our indoor contact sports are. And, you know, to play a sport like basketball, we saw it last year, uh, playing basketball for 32 minutes in a high school game um, with a face mask on is uh, incredibly challenging. And we're going to do everything we can to not end up in that spot again. 
Butcher, next question for Mark. Yeah, it's challenging going in the supermarket and getting groceries with a mask on there. I can understand that. Will these same requirements go for maybe uh, the football uh, players, which there are more football players there, that, you know, they do congregate on the sidelines and whatnot a whole heck of a lot when it comes down to getting into the game, getting involved in the game, cheering and, and, and rooting their uh, teammates on there. Will that end up, end up coming into play? You know, it could right now, um, because it's played outdoors, there's no mask requirement. And, and going back to last fall, I mean, watching what the colleges have done, what the, the professional teams have done, I think we now have over a year of a track record that shows that even a full-contact sport like football, um, there's just not much transmission. Um, we saw more examples of transmission um, in the basketball and wrestling setting last winter. So, mm-hmm. yeah, certainly football gets a lot of the attention and, and a lot of the notoriety in the fall. But, you know, even though the numbers are high, Butch, as you cited, um, because of the equipment, because you're wearing helmets, there's already some of that um, kind of physical separation. And, you know, unless you're playing in the Superior Dome or Ford Field, uh, everybody is outdoors all the time in our state. And uh, all of those are really working in football's favor. Mark Ewell joining us on the game, executive director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. And Mark, one of the most anticipated sport-related challenge or changes rather for this fall is the full implementation of the enhanced strength of schedule format for the 11-player football playoffs. The new format eliminates automatic qualification based on win totals and is more determined by playoff point average and rewards teams for playing tougher schedules. What should our listeners know about this change and how and why was it implemented so i think to fast forward to the end of the story the net result of this is only going to affect about 12 schools statewide what it's going to mean is that six schools that had been going six and three and seven and two playing pretty soft schedules might not get in and on the flip side of that you're going to see a half dozen teams replace them who went five and four four and five but played in really tough leagues uh, in the old system, there was nothing uh, known as a, there was no such thing as a good loss. You could go out and schedule an incredibly tough non-conference schedule, and if you didn't win those games, it gave you no bump when it came playoff time. And that's the thing that's really changed. The best way to make sure that you get in is to keep winning games. Yeah. The second thing that will help you is, you know what, if you go out and schedule a very tough opponent or you play in a really challenging league, you're going to be rewarded because of that. Um, this had really gotten its start about four and a half years ago. Um, our athletic directors had all kinds of frustration when it comes to regular season scheduling. If you're a program that's had any success in the past, schools had no interest in playing you in a non-conference game because, again, under the old system, there was no such thing as a quality or a good loss. Well, last year, we had to go everybody in due to COVID. Right. And what I envision is we're going to give strength to schedule a world this fall. We're going to see how we like it. And then once we get into December and January, we're going to see what our football community wants because you're going to have a back-to-back experience of eight games, everybody in, and the strength to schedule. And I really see a Scott in January uh, making a decision of what our football playoffs are going to look like long-term. So um, that that's kind of where I see this going. Butch, your next question for Mark. Well, to piggyback on the Scott's question there, let me use an example on one of the schools. River Rouge has a, you know, 
I would say maybe a week schedule within the conference there, but they do a very good job of uh, scheduling out of games there, uh, strength uh, particular teams that are, you know, very strong, but yet still they may lose or they may win. What do you say about those particular uh, uh, scheduling uh, snafus there? So I think, you know, and in, in, to use that school as an example, they have done an excellent job of mm-hmm. trying to go out and try to get as challenging of a non-conference schedule as they can. Mm-hmm. Of course, under the old system, nobody wanted to play River Rouge non-conference because if, if they would lose, uh, they wouldn't get a bump in playing. And what you're now going to see is that Rouge is, might, is under the strength of schedule is going to have an easier time finding games because, yeah, we'll play them. Um, even though if we lose, we're still going to get a benefit. I think one of the best examples in the, in the UP, uh, Marquette Nagani played for centuries. That was a local neighborhood rivalry. But as Marquette continued to grow, Nagani stayed about a Class C size, you know, a small B, a, a Class C size school. Well, suddenly under the six wins and you're in, that game made zero sense for Nagani to play. Well, now with strength of schedule, you may see Nagani who will say, yeah, we'll play Marquette again because even if we lose to the much larger school, we're going to see a benefit of that under strength of schedule. And my greatest hope with this is we're going to see the return of some of those neighborhood rivalries which have gone away because of just the six wins and you're in. I'd much rather have teams stay closer to home, have a huge crowd, a great environment, and a great atmosphere. And I think uh, Marquette Nagani might be uh, one of the best examples of a game that uh, strength of schedule could bring back. Certainly one we're familiar with here, Mark. Mark, you will joining us on the game, executive director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. I have a couple more questions each, Mark, before we let you go. And we had you on the show last year around this time. Certainly a lot more uncertainty than this year, albeit there is uh, still some questions. And at the time, I believe of our interview, Mark, your goal was to complete all three sports seasons. You were able to do that uh, with uh, many challenges and pivots. Looking ahead to this season, are, do your goals remain the same, or what else are you looking at? So they, the, those three goals never change. I think at the end of the day, we exist uh, to serve kids in our state, and our kids deserve three seasons that all reach the conclusion. I, I think what my goal is for this year is we're going to have those three seasons that are as complete as possible. Yeah, we had three seasons last year, but our football kids only got a six-game regular season. Um, our basketball kids, yeah, they got a season, but it was compressed in about six and a half weeks. Yeah. Um, my goal this year is we have what looks to be a normal season with people in the stands. Uh, um, you know, the, the joke where I live in DeWitt, you know, my son's team happened to win the, the Division Three football championship last year, and everybody in DeWitt kind of jokes, well, it's the, the best team that nobody ever saw because every, every one of your games. Uh, I saw them. Every, yeah, those of us that, you know, were able to watch uh, TV at the end of the year, but for all of the regular season, the playoffs, it was two fans um, per kid. Uh, kids didn't get to have their student body, those student cheering sections at their games, and just that, that community connection that is so strong um, in our state in general, but I'm telling you, in, the, in our Upper Peninsula, those community school-based sports, especially in, in the, the higher-profile ones of football and basketball, I mean, those mean everything to those communities, and that's, if you want to talk about a goal this year, Scott, 
Um, my goal is to really have the entire community kind of reconnect uh, to the local team. Butch, uh, your next question for Mark. Uh, this is going to be a mild one there. Uh, um, <sighs> hate to use this question as a as a phrase, but uh, what if there, for instance, uh, uh, a particular school has some problems there where basically that school has to forfeit? Will they be rescheduling of that particular game, or will that forfeit stand as a, as a loss there? So this year, any COVID interrupted game is going to have to go as a forfeit. Um, when it comes to football, if uh, a school loses a COVID uh, game due to COVID and then they're able to pick up another opponent for that Friday night, um, then there wouldn't be a forfeit because they found a game. But, um, you know, at the end of the year, to avoid some gamesmanship, um, if a team isn't able to play for whatever the reason, uh, just like what the uh, professional and college levels are doing, those are going to go down as a forfeit. Now, in almost every other sport other than football, it's not the end of the world because everybody gets into the tournament at the end of the year. Um, certainly the sport that we are holding our breath to a certain degree is football and just hope that our, our COVID-related uh, uh, interruptions are, are few and far between. Mark Ewell joining us on the game, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Mark, my final question, it's a two-part question. Looking back to last year, which was challenging to everyone, including yourself, at what point was the toughest for you as Executive Director of the MHSAA, as a parent or just as a human being? The second part of that was what, if anything, was the most satisfying and rewarding part of a challenging last season? I think the hardest thing personally is some of the garbage I had to read on the internet that wasn't just directed at me. It was directed at my kids. Um, just the ignorance. Um, yeah, I, I had a pretty good football player, but who also played high school hockey and high school baseball. Um, I also have a daughter who's a three sport athlete. I'm married to a Sault Ste. Marie native who's been a high school basketball coach for 26 years. So just, you know, some of the garbage you'd see on, on Twitter and other social media platforms about, well, the, the only reason they're pushing this hard is, you know, he has a son that plays football, which is just one of the dumbest things I have ever read. Um, we advocated for all kids last year in all sports, and that's why we got all three seasons to the finish line. So just from a personal standpoint, you know, it, I have pretty thick skin. It's one thing to attack me, but when, um, you know, my, my kids end up with that, um, that just crossed the line that uh, I, I just believe uh, shouldn't have been crossed. And and I really think the, the, the best feeling last year is, you know, we were at some of our championships, and, yeah, we were in masks, and, yeah, we were distant, but um, to have just so many kids personally come up and just to say thanks um, that they're a senior and this was their one chance to play and um, just the absolute gratitude that we got from so many of our schools and kids um, that's something, uh, it wasn't just the best part of last year. It's something that I'll personally remember forever. So that, uh, that was one of the few rays of sunshine in a, in a fair, fairly cloudy year. Last yes. Year. Yes, indeed. Butch, your final question for Mark Ewell. Yeah, the final question is uh, to the hardest working man in the state of Michigan and his staff. Will you guys get a vacation this year? <laughs> you know, we hope so. Um, <laughs> That, that's our goal. You know, usually the month of December, things slow down a little bit. That was not the case last year. And no, we're, we're just all kidding aside. We're just hoping that, you know, people continue to do the smart things to keep themselves as safe as they can 
it really boils down to a lot of basic hygiene things, to be honest. Um, and if we can all just do our small part and keep our kids playing, um, we're just hoping this year looks a heck of a lot more normal than what last year did. Mark Ewell joining us on the game, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. And Mark, I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. You've always been accessible accessible rather, to our station and our listeners in the Eastern Upper Peninsula. Anyone you want to say hi to locally? I know uh, there's at least a couple people you might want to say hello to. Of all your listeners up there, I need to say hello to the Bell family. So uh, my in-laws are doing well, and uh, um, they've got uh, two in the high school at Sioux Area High, a football player, Kale, who's a freshman, and Mackenzie, who's a a junior volleyball and basketball player. So uh, always good to talk uh, to the listeners in the Eastern UP and especially the Bells, and uh, appreciate you guys having me on again. Mark, we appreciate you coming on, and we'll certainly get you on again uh, during the sports season. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. That was Mark Ewell joining us, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Butch, uh, you'll be joining us here uh, momentarily. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll talk to you at the top of the hour to give us an update on the local sports scene, sir. All righty. All right. We're going to take a break. We come back. We'll be talking to David McKeg, Jr., coming up on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, ESPN 1400. Welcome back to The Game on ESPN 1400. Scott Nason with you coming up. We'll be rejoined by co-host Butch Davis from Butch on Sports, who will get us up to date on everything going on in the metro Detroit sports scene. Joining us now, co-host of The Game here on ESPN 1400 and host of The Game Sports Show in Sioux, Ontario, Dave McKay Jr. Joining us once again on The Game, Dave. How you doing on yet another beautiful Monday in the Twin Sioux? Scotty, you said it right there. It is a beautiful Monday, and I don't mean to rub it into anybody, but I've been able to enjoy this day and have the day off. It's been absolutely beautiful. Okay, but there's nothing more beautiful, though, Scotty, than being able to join you on air every Monday, okay, and have this on the Game Sports Show, ESPN 1400, talking sports with you. Nonetheless, I'm doing great, my friend. How are you? Doing great, Dave, and uh, talking baseball to start in our segment, the Toronto Blue Jays on a West Coast swing, losing to of three in Seattle after knocking off Anaheim two of three currently the Blue Jays seven and a half games out of the AL least around four games out of the wild card Uh, cooled off a bit Dave compared to when we talked last week but want to give you the floor on your thoughts on the Blue Jays and any uh, local baseball baseball rather you might want to bring up so with the Blue Jays Scotty you know there's I get the shades of that 2015 still and that West Coast trip you know to LA to play on the Angels and also Seattle, though that's a pretty tough trip for a lot of teams. And the Jays seem to have a lot of difficulty with doing that going into Seattle in recent years. And even when they had the, the stellar team in 2015, 2016, they had the, the difficulties. They weren't really losing series at that time after the trade deadline. They were winning every series, but they still lost games. And uh, some of those games were due to travel, it seemed like. So I'm not too sure in terms of the travel bug the Jays may have or would have carried over since the past. But uh, nonetheless, the Jays right now are, are in a situation where they have to find the ways to win those close games. They, the bullpen has 
absolutely been a disaster this year. They have the third most, or, uh, just the third most losses by a bullpen. They have about, I guess, 24 is the exact stat, and 25, 26 are the next two teams above them. So they're almost top of the league in, in blowing leads in games, and that's because of the bullpen. And I don't mean to point fingers at the boy, but at the bullpen, but essentially it's the truth. You know, they've had some weaknesses there throughout the season, and they've had some great great spurts of excitement from the bullpen. There's one game where a pitcher has a three up, three down inning, then the next game that pitcher goes in and he absolutely blows a lead. It's a, The inconsistencies are there. Uh, the only individuals that have been consistent throughout the season, in my opinion, has been Adam Simber. What a great acquisition that was from the Marlins. Uh, Jordan Romano, Canadian plug in there. Those have been the kind of the consistent individuals. Trevor Richards was on that level, but he absolutely led a couple back-to-backs there, there sorry, back-to-back jacks in Seattle this past weekend. So so that's been some issue and concern for the Blue Jays for when they go down in this hunt because when you have the starting pitching that they've actually been having pretty strong with everyone in the rotation, in particular with Robbie Ray and Jun Ryu, they have put in quality starts and then in the seventh, eighth inning, the fans are biting their nails. You know, they're, they're wondering why the losses are coming. And when you've lost 24 games from the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, that is extremely concerning because when it comes to playoff baseball, that is the type of, type of, type of bring forth strategy that brings victories. Look at the Cleveland time when Toronto beat the Jays when they had Miller coming out of the bullpen. When you have a strong bullpen and arm, they can really close out a game. And when it comes to a game that will be the, if you're in a wild card game or in a deciding game to get you into the playoffs, what pitchers are you using? I had someone ask me, and I said, well, I'm starting Manoa. In the bullpen, I'm putting Ryu, I'm putting Ray, and I'm putting Jose Barrios. Those are all four starters that are the only pitchers that I would use in a game with following Simber or Romano being the closer uh, in the ninth inning. So it's very concerning for the Jays with that, but I'm not too concerned. They've been really hot. There was an injury concern there with uh, George Springer, but it seems he's going to be day-to-day, and we expect him back sooner rather than later, which is definitely some thumbs up for Jays fans because without him in the lineup, they're 33-34. and 34. Now they're 34-34 and 34 because of the victory just the other night in Seattle by kind of getting to the third game in the series to kind of get rid of, you know, getting avoid being swept. The Jays right now, Scott, are, are in a very unique position because they have that excitement. You know, they made some acquisitions at the deadline. The, the, going back home, the energy is hot. And they did have a couple concerning series against Los Angeles and also Seattle. But they got some series as well coming up that they're going to be difficult, but some that they should win. And no, I'm not saying the Detroit Tiger one is going to be easy because Detroit has been playing really well. But they have a chance, the Blue Jays, to make up the ground. It's a tight race. And I'm just hoping that the bullpen is an area that they're able to kind of improve right away. And I still have my question marks about Charlie Montoyo. I know that it might raise a lot of flags with Jays fans. Some people do definitely like Montoyo. I am not a big fan of Montoyo yet, and I don't mean that in terms of a person. I'm just not sold on him as a manager yet. He's been there three years, and this has been the year of expectation, and I have my doubts, especially that time where he pulled Ryu this past weekend and put Richards in. I really think he should have let Ryu finish that inning. So, you know, there's a lot that we're going to be touching on on the game sports show with that, especially with myself and Connor Henderson with Strike Zone. Uh, but the Jays, Scott, I don't know if you have any comments you want to add to that, but when you have a bullpen that's struggling to that, it's concerning. But I'm hopeful that they can bounce back because they definitely have the 
strong enough lineup to do so. Yeah, the Jays' bullpen certainly their biggest question mark, in my opinion. But the schedule lightens up a bit for the Jays. They're off tonight. They'll be at Washington for a pair of games and then host the Detroit Tigers this weekend. Uh, Dave, let's move on to the NHL for the remainder of our segment. And the Winnipeg Jets, the first team, at least to my knowledge, that will be requiring fully vaccinated fans into their building for games this upcoming season. I wanted your thoughts on that, and is this a trend that we're going to see maybe not just in the NHL, especially with the Canadian teams, but in other leagues? You know what, Scotty? I'm very happy you mentioned that because it is absolutely relieving that the Winnipeg Jets are doing that, and they're starting a domino effect here in Canada for that. And I just read some news articles here with some local pieces with Oklahoma University is going to be requiring full vaccination with students, which is that is starting to be the trend. I know that there has been a climb in numbers, but if you look at the percentages, and I'm not going to start any kind of riots or kind of negative comments and feedback here, but the, the if you want to throw out the Delta variant, of course, there's still COVID that can occur with potential vaccine, but it's obviously uh, a lot less likely, a lot less affecting, and the majority of not the higher percentage, well, well over 80, 85% are individuals that are getting the COVID numbers and those are increased are ones that whom are not vaccinated or fully vaccinated. So the numbers are there uh, on the writing is on the wall with that, but you still have to ensure that you create a safe work environment for the fans, for the players, for the staff, for anyone that's going to be partaking inside going to the Canada Life Arena there in Winnipeg, their new stadium rank, uh, stadium name. Uh, and that is is a big requirement that I would say their new sponsor and their rink has definitely incorporated and started off, but as well as just Winnipeg as an organization, putting that foot forward is going to set the tone in the National Hockey League, especially with Canada. And I hope that it is followed trait uh, with and a followed trend with all the Canadian teams to follow suit because it is important to do that. It's a very imperative that everyone gets vaccinated, and it's also very imperative that we take care of one another and by doing so it creates a health health and safety uh, kind of protocol in place that's going to keep everyone safe in the in the workplace those being the staff canteen workers at the arena as well as the most importantly the fans that are going to be bringing their cheering on their favorite team so i think it's going to be a trend that's going to continue scott throughout canada especially i hope it does go across the border as well and into the leagues as an entirety i hope that it would be key i'm not going to be confident that it goes into every stadium uh, in the national hockey league or with the nfl or with uh, in the nba but i think with Winnipeg starting this, it's going to start a positive trend in the right direction, and I'm sure you agree. I do, David. You're starting to see a little bit more in the United States. The University of Michigan, Michigan State, and several other colleges are requiring their students to be fully vaccinated. We haven't seen it as far as sports stadiums yet, but hey, you know what? Vaccines are voluntary, but more and more people are mandating them, including employers. So if you don't want to get your vaccine, guess what? Maybe you're not going to go to the school you want get the job you want, or possibly go to the game you want. And I'm okay with that because we are still in the midst of a pandemic. David, yes, thank you for joining, joining us on the game. And Dave, in our remaining time, let's look at how the Canadian teams did in the off season. We may not be able to get all the Canadian teams in the time we have remaining, but let's start with Eastern Canada and maybe work our way Western Canada next week. Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa. How have they done? How are they doing as far as the offseason, in your opinion? 
Well, I'll certainly start with the Ottawa Senators. They have been more so quiet this offseason, making the, the tweaks that they need. They're still in that rebuilding phase, which I can appreciate with the Ottawa Senators organization, keeping that trend going forward, because they want to create that winning culture and a core group of young guys to build together, as well as you know, a lot of players may not be attracted to go to Ottawa at this current time because the state the team is in in their rebuild. So, and you also have priority players to ensure that you create a leadership environment for them that you know this is their team, Brady, Kachuk, and company. So I really feel like the Ottawa Senators, by kind of doing a little, has been a very effective offseason for them. And having the draft that they had and keep building that youth in their organization, that is a positive trend. And guess what? All season, by the end of the season, they were a tough team to beat. They're gritty. They're tenacious. That is the kind of mentality, the pesky sends they've always had, and they're going to keep building that name. I think what they've done this offseason is great. I honestly give them a B-plus this offseason. That's my grade with the Ottawa Senators. The Montreal Canadiens, uh, you know, there's been a lot of scrutiny with the Montreal Canadiens. With the draft that they did with Logan Mayu, I'm definitely not a fan of that draft pick, nor is the hockey world or the world for that matter. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens were exposing Carey Price, but obviously it seems like they knew something that he wasn't going to get picked as expected. But they did make some strong additions, you know, with Hoffman. I really feel like they've added up front. Uh, they added David Savard on defense. I am a big fan of how they've added David Savard for the price that they did. He's a shot-blocking machine. It's a lot like the Joel Edmondson signing that they had last season. So I would give the Montreal Canadiens in terms of the, they certainly have made the improvements. But because of what they did in the draft, that brings down their grade, in my opinion. I can't, I can't give them a, a, an A minus because of what they have drafted and kind of the persona that that literally showed of Bergevin and company. So because of the draft, it brings them down a fair deal. So I'm going to give the Montreal Canadiens a B minus for their offseason. If they didn't have that draft that they did, they would be almost in the A. A minus A A plus range because that's how much I really liked their improvements that they made to their team. The Toronto Maple Leafs now I'll say quickly, and we're gonna stick obviously with the East teams next week. Hopefully we can touch on the West teams. The Toronto Maple Leafs uh, I'm I'm still disgusted to talk about this team because everyone knows outside of the <laughs> the team I cheer for and ultimately the Leafs made additions though for the best capabilities that they can because they've they've put themselves in a salary cap situation that's hard to break through and they had to make the improvements necessary uh, to try to make this team better and address the concerns but they're keeping the decor the same which I'm a fan of to an extent uh, except losing Zach Bogosian up front there's a little bit of losses Joel Thornton recently signed in Florida definitely going to miss Jumbo Joe I would have wished that he would have had the opportunity to lift a cup this year for Toronto that would have been a dream of mine to see but the additions of Nick Ritchie and Andre Kasha I'm a big fan of Nick Ritchie uh, he's been here with the Hounds. Uh, pretty soon the Leafs are going to be renamed the Toronto Greyhounds by the way things are going. Uh, Michael Bunting and Annette with Peter Morazic. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really not seeing why they let Frederick Anderson go because now Freddie being in Carolina, he's a top 10 fantasy goalie in my opinion. I really hope they would have ca- I really was really hoping they would have kept Frederick Anderson. But Peter Morazic, those guys put up good numbers. They made some necessary moves that they had to because of the salary cap that they have. But I think Nick Ritchie is going to be a very strong presence and I hope he gets the 
opportunity to play uh, with John Tavares and Willie Nylander. I think that would be the biggest fit for him, as Bunting, I think, would actually be a fit for Matthews and Marner, much as people may disagree, or Andre Kasha. So I'm going to give the Toronto Maple Leafs this offseason, again, an A of going to the B-plus, A-minus range. I'm really leaning towards A-minus. My final grade for them will be an A-minus. So out of the East Coast team, Scotty, if Toronto didn't, uh, or if Montreal didn't have the draft that they did, they would have been the top team in the East Coast by this offseason at this point. But Toronto, A-minus, Montreal, B-minus, and the uh, Ottawa Senators get a B-plus. Dave McKay Jr. joining us on game. Dave, real quick, what's ahead for the Game Sports Show in Sioux, Ontario over the next week? Certainly. Uh, this week, we do plan to have a special edition upload. It'll be with Luke Gazdick, former enforcer with the Edmonton Oilers and a fan favorite uh, with the Edmonton Oilers, of course. We do plan to have some new shows, uh, but we also have our annual two-week vacation coming up here in Sioux City, Maria, Ontario, and that's probably going to be projected next week. So it might be a little bit less new shows until after Labor Day, but everyone's going to have to keep an eye on all those uploads. And a quick plug with the local baseball side didn't have the chance to say it there quickly because yes I was talking about the Jays and got really consumed to talk about the Jays. Local baseball, men's open baseball is going on. The Black Sox are playing. The Black Sox are actually playing in the men's open league. It's very entertaining. I want everyone to ensure that they check that out. The Game Sports Show Renegades are having a pretty decent year. Not as expected as of yet. Yours truly goes on the mound. We have a lot of fun out there. We encourage fans to come out and enjoy the open baseball as well as support the Black Sox as they are in full swing this season with going to tournaments and just trying to get involved getting the kids out there and be great for the community to come on support and get outside and enjoy the great outdoors of the summer we have remaining. That's a great program. I'm glad to hear they're back on the field. David McKay Jr. joining us on the game. And Dave, a very happy birthday to you on Saturday. You're going to join the 30 Club, which is a club I've joined before a few years ago. (laughs) Happy birthday. Have a great one. And we'll talk all about it next Monday night or next edition of the game. Sounds good, Scotty. Thank you for your time. And uh, certainly, like I say every week, I miss not being there and face-to-face with you, Scotty. So I can't wait to be able to come over the border, my friend. But I'm happy to always join each week. And I want to encourage everyone to hit like, follow, and subscribe on all the platforms of the game. We are hoping for that very soon indeed. Thanks, Dave. We're going to take a break. we come back, we'll talk Detroit sports with Butch Davis. All coming up on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, ESPN 1400. Welcome back to The Game on ESPN of 1400. Scott Nason with you and rejoining us. Co-host of The Game here on ESPN of 1400 and host of his own show, Butch on Sports. Butch Davis joining us on The Game, brand new edition of Butch on Sports, which you can find from last night. On his website, simplybutch2, that's T-O-O dot potomatic dot com. We also put all editions of a Butch on Sports on our website, thegamesportshow.podbean.com. As Butch joins us each and every week to talk about what's going on in the Metro Detroit sports world. Uh, Butch, welcome back and welcome back to the game. Hey, what's up? Hey, well, uh, let's talk a little bit about our interview with Mark Yule. We went a little overtime on that interview, and uh, I will give a lot of credit to Mark. He's very accessible and always answers the tough questions, and uh, certainly uh, some tough questions were thrown at the executive director of the MHSAA. Uh, What were your uh, reflections and thoughts on the interview? Reflections and thoughts. <laughs> Sounds like a Saturday Night Live skit. Yeah, really, you know. Well, you know, I, I get, you know, I think the general public expects us to ask the question that needed to be asked there, and a lot of questions that we did ask, uh, you know, regular people are not able to ask uh, Mark you, and you right. know, hopefully we 
asked the question that needed to be uh, dealt with, and in, in, in particular that then, uh, hopefully we did, and he was very gracious and grateful, although he was put under the under the fire in in dealing with us in there in those questions. But I think they're important. I think there's importancy to our general public at large. We're getting mixed information from this where and that where. Again, um, I'm going to repeat myself for probably the thousandth time there. I mean, the science and what's going on scientifically is right now is what's being dealt with in order to get hopefully some time of truthfulness in it there. And hopefully we did not offend anyone. But again, uh, we want everyone to be safe and as safe as they can during this particular season, which is right now, we can go under regular restrictions. And again, unless we hear from the governor or the health department of Michigan and they say otherwise. One of the things I like best about doing this show, Butch, and you alluded to it, is we have the opportunity to get guests on like Mark Ewell and ask questions and direct questions to, you know, one of the biggest policymakers in the state and the biggest one as far as high school sports. It's not a Facebook group or Twitter comments, as he alluded to, uh, attacking family members and such. There's so much of that on social media and just in general. And that's one of the, the goals I had for this show. And you and I in talking about it is getting the people on, getting the information and asking the tough questions. And, you know, a credit to Mark Ewell, he'll answer every question. He doesn't deflect. He doesn't try to, you know, wave a curtain over here and look over here. He'll, he'll answer it directly. And I thought he did a good job of doing that tonight. Sure. You know, and then he mentioned, well, you seem to give him all the tough questions. Well, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, I think we owe it to our general public that we do serve to ask those particular questions because we don't need no snafus going on. And he was very gracious in answering those particular questions and uh, and giving us the answers that really right now that he has to go by there right now. We're not saying that something tomorrow or the next day or the next week might turn up a lot different where we, again, we might have to ask some particular questions and, and concern. But right now, I think we, uh, you know, ask those questions that I think a lot of people want to get off their chest there. And the, the one thing I did enjoy and like there is that, and I mentioned it a couple of times on this show for the past three or four years we've been doing this, is that many of the towns that are represented, you know, up north, down south, they're, they're Detroit Lions, they're Detroit Tigers, they're Detroit Pistons, the Red Wings. That's their local team. Yeah. That's those local high school teams that represent those particular cities or their communities there. And they're very, very adamant to support them. Uh, again, I feel that it's our duty to make sure that that safety is implied there so they can do that there. Now, if something else come up differently, hopefully we'll get that uh, information to them quick, fast, and in a hurry. But again, these are their pro teams, and right now uh, they deserve to have an opportunity and a chance to root them on and, and uh, be happy and, uh, and support them. As we, as I always do say, get out there and support those kids. And we want to do it in a safe and in a decent manner. There. And finally, Butch, before we move on to the Detroit teams, I really liked Mark's analogy on why he got, he and his family members received the vaccine, talking about not being very good in track and wanting to remove a couple hurdles. I've tried to use a couple different analogies as far as why you should get the vaccine. I think from a sports perspective, that was spot on. 
Mm-hmm. And, and it was there. I just was dealing with a meeting uh, again with churches and whatnot there before I went on the air there. And uh, they want to know about choirs and whatnot there. Well, you know, I think one of those answers were very much so dealt with when he mentioned volleyball teams indoors, yeah. okay? And how they will go about dealing with it then. People on the bench have their masses on, the people in play, that basically the science say that they won't catch it while they're in play, but the most time they catch it is, is mingling in, on the sideline in, indoors there. And, uh, you know, those were very helpful questions that he answered there with the scientific approach going with it. Butch, let's move on to the Detroit Tigers. After sweeping Baltimore last week on the road, the Tigers returned home and lost two of three to the Cleveland Guardians, as I'm now calling them. Miguel Cabrera remains at 499 home runs, as on Sunday it was a almost a different history that fans witnessed. A perfect game as Cleveland starter Tristan McKenzie had a perfect game until the eighth inning where the Tigers would get a hit. Tigers now 58 and 62 will be home to the LA Angels starting on Tuesday for a three game set. Uh, Butch Tigers, a lot of hype this weekend, uh, but not a whole lot of good baseball, at least yesterday and on Friday. Yeah, you heard what, if you listened to my show on Sunday, I did. You you know what I felt about the hype. I do. I really, uh, I was overcome because, you know, myself personally here, and then this is just my personal uh, grievance on this here. He should have played on. He should have been allowed to play on Thursday. This is a guy who they designate to hit along with playing first base. Not playing first base too much, but being the designated hitter around about 90% of the time. I think he should have been allowed to play on Thursday there. When you're hot, you're hot. And when you're not, you're not. You get that time to cool off there. Now you got to gather all the friends and family members because here's this hype going on. And for the Good reason for Detroit Tigers home fan. They had the biggest crowds that they've had yeah. all you know, for the whole summer and again for a couple of years here for a weekend series there. And they average off to be around about ninety five thousand people going through the turnstiles down there at Comerica Park. That's a lot of people there that they have not seen and many of the players have not seen on a consistent base. Oh, that's fine, and I'm quite sure the Tigers made a lot of money. But again, when it came down to Cabrera there and hitting a home run, it didn't happen, okay? So again, you know, I'm I'm not all right, livelihood for the hype and he should hit it at home. If he hits it on the road, so what, okay? He got the 500 there. We'll commend him when he gets back at home and whatever it may be. But he should have been allowed to play. Butch, if I'm the Tigers' ownership, I'm hoping he doesn't hit it for a while if it keeps drawing those big crowds because that seems to be the only thing drawing big crowds to Comerica this season. And I hope they get flushed down the toilet if that's the way they say it, okay? <laughs> that just, that's just mine, okay? And I'll tell them in their face here, but that shouldn't be the case here. You know, let the guy play. Let him be in a normal state of mind there. Of course, he's going to have family and friends during the weekend there. Hell, it's a home game. There's family and friends are living in the majority of them in metropolitan Detroit and other in other parts of the of the state there. Sure. But you know, don't negate this guy to have to perform at home and put him under the knife or, or mental health issues that basically right now will put him in dire straits there. And 
that's just plain unfair. Butch, the Tigers right now, 11 games out of first place and a wild card. Uh, they're still, I guess, somewhat alive for the playoffs, but realistically, they're not going to make the playoffs this year, barring a big run. What are you looking for as far as the rest of the season for this team? I mean, certainly finishing 500, I think, would would be a, a good first step this season, considering how they started. What are some of the things you're looking for out of this team as we head into late August and September? Hmm. Good question. I'm looking for them how they're going to evaluate the talent that they have on the team now and what's upcoming there. We have several kids right now who are being constantly moved up to from Erie to Toledo. Do we hold them back for next season here and just let them just go through the court? Or do we give them some flavor of Major League Baseball there to get their, their Get them, get them ready and able to know that you know when the you know when uh, the spring training comes around, they know what to expect. You know, we got some talented kids here. Do you continue on to uh, to play uh, people that basically not giving it giving it their all? And I'm quite sure they are, but again, that's not showing up on paper uh, to be beat up. To a pulp, they just got a good dog on picture on them on Sunday. That's going to happen, okay? And I've seen Trist, uh, Tristan McKenzie before last year, and he was uh, he was very very good there. So it was not that they just put a a wannabe up there and uh, they just beat up on the tiger. This is a very good picture there. But again, to bring up some younger kids there who basically right now who who are earning their stripes, okay? The Greens and some of our first round draft picks there, they should be evaluated in a major league setting. And I feel right now when they won't have to wait till September till they can up the roster to forty, but they do something like that in order to evaluate them uh, very, very decently there. Yeah, you mentioned Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson, uh, two yeah. of the top position players, uh, just moved up from Double A to Triple A Toledo. Green's hitting five twenty four at Erie. Uh, Torkelson's hitting four twenty nine. Uh, unsure as far as if they'll be promoted to the big squad in September, but you know those two examples right there, Butch, uh, would it be that much of a of a setback if you bring these guys up in September? Do you think they're going to just finish in Toledo and maybe come up next year? Heck, you know, they should be brought up right away. I agree. They're, these are kids who went to college, okay? Four years in college, okay? That trumps out the four years they would have been in the minor league. And now they got to go through this this string of minor league uh, play again, like it's a big deal. And I think it's a punishment, okay? If I was the Tigers, I would have started Torkelson and also Green, maybe in Aerie first, then move them up to Toledo, and then they're a little bit more ready because, again, they got that four years of competitive play in college, okay? Colleges uh, nowadays are not um, – not, 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 not as bland as they were many years ago. Okay, colleges are very, very competitive there, despite 
the the hoopla and the hype they give it there, there are some very competitive teams in college there, and they both came from competitive teams. So why not give them a bump up there instead of a bump down? The Tigers idle tonight. They'll be back in action tomorrow night at Comerica Park against the LA Angels, 7-10. Starting time, you can hear that game over on our sister station, 1230 WSO. Butch, before we go to our first break of the hour, uh, looking around Major League Baseball and the, some of the pennant races in the AL East, Tampa Bay uh, continues to lead. Boy, they're scoring a bunch of runs as well. They lead the Boston Red Sox by three games, the Yankees by five and a half, Blue Jays by seven and a half, the Chicago White Sox off their Field of Dreams game. We can talk about that here in a moment. Lead Cleveland by 10 games in the AL Central. Houston continues to lead Oakland by two and a half in the AL West. NL East very bunched up. The Braves in first, a game up on Philly, two and a half over the Mets. Milwaukee maintains their eight-game lead over Cincinnati and the NL Central and the San Francisco Giants. It seems like they've had a four-game lead uh, all season long, and they continue to lead the NL West by four games. Uh, certainly some teams in the wild card hunt as well. Uh, just overall thoughts on Major League Baseball pennant race as well. We only have about seven or eight weeks left of the regular season. Well, we don't have indicative in the, uh, I'd say, the central division that the Tigers play in there. But I'll start off with the East in the American League there. That's going to be a rumble there. The Yankees, uh, the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, we, we're we talking about also um, the Boston Red Sox there and the Tampa Bay Rays. That's going to be a bump and and a deciding point on who goes in there. You look at the West in Oakland, uh, who basically uh, not spending any money at all, None. but yet and still get the talent and get those players to mesh up with each other and play to their very, very best. Uh, San Francisco in that West division there. And let me, uh, don't forget about Seattle there, okay? Yeah. They are doing a, a heck of a job in bringing up their talent without spending a whole heck of a lot of money. Some of their better players, Hernandez and whatnot, not able to play as of yet there. Uh, they're doing an excellent job. Now I go back to the West and the, and, and the NL there. Uh, San Francisco, again, not spending all that money, doing great. Uh, San Diego, who is spending the money there, get Tatis back, and what do he do? Basically get two home runs in a new position there. I want to see how that goes there, but that's very competitive as well, as well as uh, other teams in in that West Division there. So that's going to be a a swallow, including, I haven't said the Dodgers, but you know they're going to be there. They're going to be fighting for some supremacy there. They want to repeat. This is what you look for. Uh, I again, I wish that Major League Baseball would come out of the foxhole there and expand the playoffs. That needs that that has to happen there. This is too long overdue that only certain players or certain teams get into the playoff action there, and everybody else stick their head between their legs and go home. That's it, It's just not right there. it got to be a one, maybe a one-game playoff. If you do it that way like they, like they did last year, that would be somewhat suitable there. At least you're rewarded, okay? But the the way it is right now there with the wild card set up there, and it, 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 we need to expand that. 
Butch, did you watch the Field of Dreams game on Thursday between the New York Yankees and Chicago White Sox? Certainly a lot of hype for that one, but the visuals, I thought, were fantastic. Having Kevin Costner come on the field and speak, I, I just thought it was a, a very enjoyable baseball experience. What did you think? Uh, it's going to get an Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's, it's going to get an Emmy. Fox really arranged that to a point of close to the the film, I might add, yeah. there, where the players, all the players came from the, out the corn into the field and whatnot there. That was melting, okay? I did not expect that. I expect them maybe coming out of some building or something, but they all come out the corn there. And, you know, I'm just hoping a rat didn't nibble on their <laughs> feet or anything of that nature there, but... It was, boy, it, it was just the setup and the visuals were very, very intense, especially at the last part of the game when, uh, in the ninth inning where the, the Yanks came back, but Chicago came up there with Anderson hitting the home run and, and beating them just by a, a, a hand, a nail there. The fireworks go off in the cornfield. It, it couldn't be no, no better than that. I wish America Park can put them fireworks out there maybe maybe the team would be inspired by that there i think you're right butch and i'll tell you this i ain't walking out or going into any cornfield those things scare me i don't know what's in those yeah, things and i, I don't want to know not, i'm not in favor of the cornfield either the rats and uh, little rodents and stuff there that hang out there you know what do you do put a sign up there saying this means you stay out you yeah know? Exactly. Buds, we're going to take our first break here of our second hour. We come back, we'll talk Detroit Lions as they hit the field in their preseason or preseason opener against Buffalo. We'll talk about that and more. All coming up on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, ESPN 1400. The last tractor you'll ever need is here. Get into a Massey Ferguson Compactor Utility Tractor and accomplish more than ever before. These versatile tractors are known for their unbeatable power, smart fuel economy, and upgraded creature comforts. And with their ability to multitask through any job around the yard or farm, they'll provide you with outstanding value for years to come. Do all you need to do and more with Massey Ferguson Compact and Utility Tractors. Visit Skinners of Pigford to find the right model for your operation. Done being stuck in the house? Ready for some summer fun on the water? Stop by Central Savings Bank for that boat or jet ski loan. Don't want to be on the water? That's okay. Come see a lender about a camper or maybe a home equity for that cabin in the woods or a side-by-side or ATV. Remember, you can always apply online at centralsavingsbank.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Equal Housing Lender, member FDIC. That's what we can do for you. Whatever you're up to this summer, Central Savings Bank has the loan product to help get it done. Whether it's buying a boat, side-by-side, camper or cabin, tractor, a new house, or a ticket out of here, we can help. Call, stop by, or apply online at centralsavingsbank.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. Central Savings Bank, ask what we can do for you. It's 
2021 and read medals in DAFR, your honest, main source, one-stop metal recycling business serving northern Michigan, hopes everyone has a prosperous year. If you need a few extra dollars to help with your cooling bills or that trip you may want to take to the warm state of Hawaii, bring Reed Metals your unwanted scrap metals and they'll print you a check. Reed Metals is paying top dollar for whole scrap vehicles. They also buy heavy equipment, catalytic converters, radiators, batteries, rims, and motors. Reed Metals will give you an honest price without surprise fees or deductions at the scale. Bring in copper, brass, lead, tin, cast, aluminum, steel, and many more types of recyclable metals and they'll print you a check with your name on it. Reed Metals is your honest, one-stop metal recycling business. They also offer roll-off dumpster service. Reed Metals is open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Visit ReedMetals.com or call 906-632-0018. Bring it in or have it called and Reed Metals will print you a check with your name on it. Reed Metals, 10 miles south of the Sioux on Mackinac Trail. You can catch podcasts of the game at thegamesportshow.com. Now let's get back to it with Scott Nason here on ESPN 1400. 722 on the game, ESPN 1400. Scott Nason with you as we continue to be joined by Butch Davis, co-host of the game and host of Butch on Sports in Metro Detroit. Well, Butch, you were at Ford Field on Friday. Fans were in attendance, at least some, as the Lions preseason opener uh, starters. A little shaky, I would say, in my opinion. Reserves did better. Uh, the Buffalo Bills would win the game by the score of 16-15, to 15, but the final score really of little consequence as the night was focused on the starters and the Lions uh, struggled a bit as far as the starters on offense and defense. What were your thoughts? You were there. Give our listeners an update on what you saw Friday. Well, he he gave us what uh, he was expected to give us. Uh, our starters went maybe a couple of series there. Then also now he puts in all the replacement players, or I say uh, reserve players, I should say, and not replacement here. Uh, it was... It was okay, you know. You got to see maybe how competitive these particular players would be, and it looked pretty doggone well there. You know, the 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 score didn't really matter to me per se, and you know, long as we watch, it was a lot of mistakes on the field, uh, especially in the second and third quarter. There, I think in the fourth quarter, it was a lot more electricity there. I did not like to see Buffalo with a minute and some odd seconds remaining in the game after the Lions get the lead. We go back to the same old song and dance we're used to being seeing for the yeah. last three and four and five years that the other team comes back, runs down the field, and takes the win. I think a bit of, a lot of more uh, a drive on that particular emphasis need to be dealt with there because, again, it was not been always the offense was the defeating portion of the Detroit Lions. It was always the defense that uh, – did not come to play or did not uh, hold their end of the bargain there. So that somewhat was very disappointing to look at. Detroit Lions running back DeAndre Swift, Butch, uh, out of practice today. Head coach Dan Campbell said that Swift should be back on the field for the team's final public practice of training camp on Tuesday. And there were also roster cuts today as the Lions have to get down to 85 players by tomorrow. They're down to 87. They wave tight end Charlie 
Tampa Pew. Hope I got that name right. Along with offensive lineman Evan Bohm. Two more cuts left. Obviously, the t- the cuts are tough, according to Dan Campbell, but we will have 85 players by tomorrow at 4 p.m., I'm told. They're not cut. They're not tough by Dan Campbell. He about knew who he's going to throw out in the street before, before like Thursday here. But again, hopefully they got the opportunity to spend some time on the field, on the real field, where maybe, maybe some other team maybe pick them up or they, you know, they make their, uh, parting, uh, arrangements a little bit more, uh, up to date there. But again, you know, it's very hard to come what grind on a team right now. In the early portions of the um, of the spring, of the fall training, I should say there, or the summer training. So again, there's a wait and see. We have less time to wait this year because in two weeks that'll be done the exhibition season. Then after that, we on the ninth of, or I should say the uh, September of that week of that in the next week. We'll have regular season play and, uh, for 17 weeks. So uh, it, it will be very interesting on how this is going to be played or pulled there. Will the Lions make some undercut moves there from uh, some other teams to get some other players? So I, I'm, I'm expecting that's going to happen as well. Yeah, the Lions will continue preseason play on Saturday in Pittsburgh. Game time is 7.30. You can hear that game over on our sister station, Oldies 93. Butch, one more question or, I guess, comment on the Lions' uh, first game with fans in over a year, be it preseason. Was there any atmosphere at Ford Field? Obviously, it's exhibition season. You're not going to see a whole lot of the starters. What was what was the atmosphere at Ford Field? Any excitement, anything that the Lions fans should get excited about? Well, the excitement was at the whole downtown Detroit because they had big time concerts in Hart in Hart, uh, Hart Park out there on the on the river. They had the Tigers right next door, which uh, that particular game, they raised around about 29,000 people in there. And the Lions, I would say, basically they had in the area around about 30,000 people in there. So that's just half the load that the Lions will be picking up. But again, some crowd versus no crowd is better than anything there. Uh, again, hopefully that that can continue and get better. It will get better when the regular season come arrive there, when the place will be packed and it will be sold out. But again, also, they're going to have to take into consideration as well that they're going to be clashing with the Detroit Tigers because some of the games that they do play, at least the first four weeks, right. the Tigers will be playing those weekends as well. So we don't have to worry about, as you say, them going to the playoffs. We're talking about the Tigers, but again, how competitive will it be when other things come arise, like maybe, maybe getting 3,000 hits or some other uh, – a uh, particular promotion or something that will scare people from going to the Lions. I don't think that's going to happen. But, again, it, it, it's, it's exciting for the vendors and also the the employees that they're getting to work. A lot of them have not been there for two and a half, but practically about two years there. And that was pretty exciting to see some regular people that you would recognize, at least I would recognize, to be there every week. Butch, one other NFL note. It was reported by ESPN this afternoon that the Atlanta Falcons are believed to be the first NFL team to be 100% vaccinated against COVID-19. The first of 
in my opinion, I hope are many NFL teams because we talked about this last week. The NFL is making it very tough for unvaccinated players and teams uh, to, you know, for protocols and potential forfeits. Is this something we're going to see more of, in your opinion? I tip my hat off to the NFL because, again, they're not going to mess around here. Their players are not going to be a portion of what goes on up in the near future there, at least when it comes down to the players not being vaccinated there if they want to participate in the process. Uh, we're going to see more of it there, but then we're going to see some push and pulls <clears throat> from some of the other teams or some of the players, or named players, I should say, who are not vaccinated, don't care to be vaccinated, have their particular beliefs via political or otherwise, okay, that they're they're not going to go under uh, and get the needle and, and get vaccinated there. Again, I you know, in my personal opinion, I don't want to bring anybody down, but everyone who's able to get vaccinated should get vaccinated there. That's going to make the environment a little safer. That's going to put some pins and needles up on the science, on Basically, who needs to get a booster, who not get a booster, the safer our environment is, the better it is for our children. Those are the main, who are not able, some of them are not able to get this vaccine there, and those are the ones that are getting sicker at this time, is our kids. And Butch, we were talking about this earlier with Dave McKegg about the Winnipeg Jets, the first uh, professional team, to my knowledge, that's requiring fans to be fully vaccinated. And, you know, they're stating they want to create a safe work environment. You're seeing it more and more with colleges requiring vaccines. You're seeing it more and more with employers regarding uh, vaccinated folks. I think this is a trend that we're going to see more and more of in the weeks and months to come. And I think it's a good trend, too. I, I think it's an excellent trend. It should have happened a long time ago. But again, with people's certain political views or what they feel, maybe religious or otherwise, but, uh, and again, <clears throat> for whatever reason, they cannot get the shot or shouldn't get the shot there. Um, we, we need people who are able to get it to get the, the vaccination there. Uh, Winnipeg Jets and a lot of other teams, and, and we're going to see the, the Kings of Los Angeles, the, the, the Sharks of uh, San Jose and other teams in California as well as Chicago. New York is right now putting their foot down to the metal that you're going to see more uh, places and people. That their environment said you can't go in a restaurant without without the particular card there right. to show that you've been vaccinated. I think a lot more people need to stand up. And as long as we get people standing up and doing what's right, we're going to have a lot of people do something wrong there. They, they, hopefully they get, you know, and do the things they should be doing a long time ago. And that's, talk to your doctor. Talk to some medical, great medical officials there who give you the ins and outs. And not to duck your questions, but to be able to sit down and answer your questions to the whole. That's what we got out of Mark Hill this afternoon there, this evening here. You know, give them, you ask the questions, let's give us the answers so we can and make sure everybody's safe. Butch, moving on to the Detroit Pistons, who are finishing their summer league campaign tonight against Orlando. The Pistons on Saturday didn't have Kate Cunningham or Killian Hayes in the lineup, who were ruled out due to injuries, but the Pistons did defeat Los Angeles Lakers 103-86. to Saban Lee with 22 points. Luke Garza with 20 points. Mm-hmm. It's summer league. Does it matter? What are you looking out of these games, if anything? I know 
Kay Callow uh, Cunningham is going to be one of the, the mainstayers there. Uh, but you know what? It's just something in the back of my head saying that Luca Garza is going to be a huge key. If this young man can get it together, and then the coaching staff, okay, and I mean the coaching staff, the head coach and the coaching staff they have for the Pistons, allow this guy to be himself and do the things that he needs to do like he did at Iowa and other places there in his high school days, we probably will have a fine. We have not had a very good, what you call, defensive and offensive-minded center since, oh, boy, Bill Lambert. Bill Lambert. He won, okay, and, and we go back, and, uh, and uh, Ben Wallace was, was not always the best offensive guy, but he gave you that and then some um, when it comes down to defense where you had to fear the guy here and fear – Fear going in the middle, and we don't have that in Detroit right now. I don't care how many guards you put up there; they're not shooting fifty percent of their shots. Okay, then they're not getting it. They're not getting it done. We'll have the same old song and dance. We gotta have some good people up front to uh, spell those guards and whatnot there. Butch, uh, this just this afternoon from the number two pick in the NBA draft, Jalen Green, who was picked by the Houston Rockets. You might want to circle that game on your calendar when the Pistons take on the Houston Rockets because Green, uh, not a big fan of Detroit, stating today that he didn't want to be in Detroit and compared the city to the G League bubble. This from uh, Green, I wanted to be the number one pick, but as far as location, I didn't want to be in Detroit. I felt a lot more comfortable in Houston. It felt like a real homey environment with Detroit. It felt like I was just going back to the G League bubble, and I just got out of the bubble. That's pretty much what it was. I didn't really have anything to do but just stay in the gym. I didn't have any time to get away from myself. The only time I had to get away from myself was 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 when I was in my apartment. That's what it felt like in Detroit. I wouldn't be stepping outside in Detroit. There are not many things you can do in Detroit like that. You're going to stay in the gym and then go back to your apartment not real choice not real kind words for uh detroit what what do you make of all this he's not off is he I mean, well, they may stink, but you know what he, he's kind of very accurate on that amount there the area that um that they're playing in uh is near uh henry ford college uh henry ford hospital okay in that area which is the grand boulevard area there which we used to call the uptown area it's not much over that way but maybe like wayne state university and then that's a couple of miles away uh from that point on you got to go uptown to woodward which is not too far from there but but far enough you know to go around and uh say it's a movie show or something that nature where houston something a lot of the neighborhoods have uh, shows to go to and malls to deal with and whatnot. And that's not happening in Detroit. So, uh, you got to go in the suburbs if you want to go to a decent supermarket, okay? Uh, it's just, it just is, is not building up. They don't have what you call a very shoppable downtown. They have a downtown with a full of businesses and restaurants and whatnot. Right. But uh, it's not like when I grew up where you had Hudson's and Crowley's and Woolworth's and Kretzky's and the the list goes on and on. You had a smorgasbord of places to go, uh, Kennedy Center, that when you want to see entertainment and whatnot there. Would you, you have um, uh, 
that downtown now, but again, the, the, the pick of the chickens not there anymore in Detroit there, and that's somewhere where Detroit has very much so failed. Now, as far as it's coming, he can stick them where the sun does shine, okay? <laughs> really and truly, that's just that's indicative of a little, young little funky little kid, 19 years old, who don't have any college and didn't care to go to college, and yes, he would be sick of the bubble, because that's where he'd been for the last year and a half, okay? But again, you know, the, if the Pistons picked him, what could he do about it? Right. Nothing. Nothing. But wait his two or three years until he got out of town by sundown. And that's a long two or three years, per se, to sit up there and not give your best. So uh, really and truly, he has a big mouth. He needs to close it, or else Houston needs to quickly find some tape to put around it there because the comments was not warranted at all. It should be a fun game when Houston plays the Pistons this uh, year. It's not going to be fun, you know. He's going to He's gonna he's gonna be probably a good kid and do his job like he's supposed to do it. And like I said, he's no reflection on why Detroit don't have him and whatnot. Detroit felt they got the better guy in Cunningham there. I myself personally feel Cunningham is not gonna be the issue. I think Garza and some of the other second year players that they have on the team is gonna be the big issue for Detroit. Butch, a couple uh, trades from this past week in the NBA. The Chicago Bulls, very busy as they've added DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo Ball. And just yesterday, the L.A. Clippers get Eric Bledsoe from um, from Memphis as they trade Patrick Beverly, Rajon Rondo, and Daniel Arturo. A couple big moves there. Your thoughts? Uh, well, a couple of those guys that went to uh, Memphis are not going to be <laughs> contracted anyway. They're going right. to weigh down, okay? So uh, I think they may be the most valuable player of that particular trade. Uh, besides uh, what the Clippers got would be Rodney Rondo there. And he's normally not ready to play until maybe the middle or the end of the season. So with that saying there, uh, it was a good move for the Clippers because they – cleared a lot of cap space up there butch we're going to take our final break of the night when you and i come back we still got to talk about the detroit red wings and other things going on in the world of sports all coming up on the twin sues only local regional and national sports show the game espn 1400 at old mission bank we're ready to make your home ownership dreams a reality we're excited to announce that we now offer usda home loans with options for 100 percent financing you heard that right 100 percent financing for qualifying usda mortgages come see our experienced lenders to discuss your personal options and let us find the right mortgage for your needs because it's what we do best act now to pre-qualify by calling us or apply directly online at ombloans.com we're old mission bank home of your experienced local mortgage professionals fdic insured equal housing lender summer the change of seasons is sure to bring a smile to your face don't let your mood sour at the prospect of dealing with that unreliable mower for yet another year rely on the experts at gaylor thompson sales and service their highly skilled technicians can help gaylor thompson sales and service takes pride in their work and they know that an ounce of prevention can mean years of reliability down the road call them to talk about your service needs or stop in and chat with paul and the gang today gaylor thompson sales and service just off i-75 exit 373 rudyard michigan Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call. So you can worry about more important things. Like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. 
Madigan Pingator, your independent auto owner's agency on West Water Street in the Sioux. Let's get back to the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. Let's get back to the game on ESPN 1400. Welcome back to the game on ESPN 1400. Scott Nason with you as we continue to be joined by co-host of the game and host of Butch on Sports, Butch Davis. If you want to hear the full two-hour of our show tonight, you can find it around 8.30 on the website, thegamesportshow.podbean.com. Butch, let's move on to the Detroit Red Wings. A couple signings or re-signings of the, over the past week as Adam Earn uh, agreed to a two-year contract worth $4.2 million. And Jakob Verana also avoided our arbitration and uh, came to an agreement of a three-year contract worth $15.75 million. That includes a $5.25 million per season salary cap hit. Wings have also worked out contracts with Tyler Bertuzzi, as we mentioned last week. So, Butch, Red Wings signing uh, some players. Your thoughts on that and any other Detroit Red Wings news? Uh, it won't be long to camp time. And yep. Traverse City will be the place to be here. Um, I'm just hoping all this work out where the Red Wings have a significant good season here. I, I, I'm crossing my fingers that they will. And the moves that are being made right now will be very significant there. I think right now they're not letting out the bag. It's how many of those young kids that they got the last two or three years are going to be a significant part in their uh, lineups there. And that's what I'm waiting on here. Big time here. I, I just want to see what what will go on with that. Any news on Bobby Ryan, Butch? I haven't seen anything as far as a possible re-signing for him. Do you know where he stands with the club? Uh, Bobby Ryan right now is, is, I don't think it's in limbo. I think that the Red Wings want him on their roster there, per se. They have not really said too much, and that gives me the impression that either some trade is going to be made down the road a piece right now, for Bobby Ryan, or right now he has some difficulty in what kind of contract that needed to be signed with. Is it going to be a long-term deal? Uh, is that in favor for the player who who wants it? Or the Red Wings give him a one-year deal there, which most of the time is right now for a veteran like Ryan, uh, that's it's going to be the best that they can get out. You know, you're going to get out of the Red Wings until something else is proven. Butch, we're only a couple weeks away from the start of the college football season. Preseason polls released today. No surprise, Alabama, the number one team predicted again, the fourth time in six years. Uh, expectations for Michigan and Michigan State, not real good right now. If you listen to the polls, Michigan predicted to be fourth in the Big Ten East. Michigan State seventh. Uh, Michigan will start their season on September 3rd, as they, rather September 4th, as they will be home to Western Michigan. Michigan State will be at Northwestern on September 3rd. Uh, certainly the Big Ten uh, got started late last season due to COVID-19. I haven't quite heard as far as attendance requirements and such, if they're allowing full capacity. Uh, what's your thoughts on the college football landscape as well? We're only a couple weeks away from that. Well, I think the environment of what Michigan and Michigan State going to do as far as uh, the crowd uh, uh, comes to play, that's going to be a work in progress. Again, the governor 
will have a lot to do with that, particularly along with the health department of the state of Michigan there, how that's going to uh, dwell on out there. I think it's a good thing, at least for the University of Michigan, because every year I've known Harbaugh to be there. They went to Europe or Africa right. or somewhere of that nature, and that's not happening no more, okay, per se. And also uh, a lot of the members of those teams are transferring, okay, putting their transfer rights and going to other places there. I thought, to me personally, it would be very good for Michigan and Michigan State to keep it quiet, okay, because the more quieter they keep things and they do their due diligence in practices and getting better before the season starts would be a major plight for them rather than they hear all this hype of this and that and the other. They had nothing to hype about, but they got very good players at both of those universities there uh, that can will put out an effort, but I, you know, the more you put out there, the more people are gunning for you there. So I think it's a good thing for Michigan and Michigan State that they can surprise a lot of people. Uh, hopefully they do, including Ohio State, which we have not been able to beat since the hen broke win. Okay, so it's it, it's just really ridiculous right now. Just to, I mean, put everything up on the ladder. I know a lot of the. Networks and whatnot want to do that. That's their, uh, that's their, with their prerogative. But me, myself personally, right now, I want to see what's happening because in two weeks we get to see it for real. Yes, we do, Butch. And something we get to see for real starting on Thursday, the Little League World Series in mm-hmm. Williamsport, Pennsylvania, which will include a team from Michigan as Taylor North uh, won the Little League Great Lakes Regional Crown and advanced to the Little League World Series, uh, just the 11th team ever to advance from Michigan and the first other than Gross Point Wood Shores to advance uh, since Georgetown National did it in 1998. I love the Little League World Series, Butch. Uh, it's always fun to watch these, uh, what, 12-year-old ball players uh, achieve great things. We've certainly seen a lot of big league players come out of the Little League World Series. Are you looking forward to watching some of that, especially with yes, the Michigan team? Uh, that team is five minutes from my house. That's what I thought. And it was right across the street from you when you came to Michigan for your business down at the Guardian Center. I remember. They're right across the street, okay? So really, some a lot of those kids that we cater to, uh, our church and uh, the neighborhood completely there, it's really been, a, a boy, a huge shock, okay, personally there, that uh, we got a team from Michigan to represent uh, them. Uh, that happened, uh, I do believe, last Thursday before the championship game against Ohio on Saturday came about there. But, boy, it's exciting. Uh, the uh, the neighborhood here is is in a buzz, okay? You know, the team left uh, to go out of here um to Williamsport, Pennsylvania this afternoon. Uh, there was a huge, huge send-off form, which I got to see because they, they blocked the traffic from here to, to nowhere's land here. It was very crowded. So, uh, you know, wish, wish them the best there and what they do. Taylor North, uh, 
we'll be rooting for you there. We Hopefully they bring something back to Michigan that we can be proud of. We certainly we are proud of them right now for making it. Yes, we certainly will be watching them and good luck to Taylor North in the Little League World Series. One other regional sports note, Butch, and well, there hasn't been a lot of good news for Michigan State fans over the past few years, but certainly an unexpected, I think, at least to me, uh, good news happened in golf over the weekend at the U.S. Amateur as mm-hmm. Michigan State senior James Piat, I think I got that name yeah. right, uh, won yeah. the, yeah, Pia, <laughs> there we go, won the uh, U.S. Amateur uh, over the weekend uh it was the first michigan uh, participant to win since u of m's johnny fisher won the title in 1936 great story and certainly a very profitable story for that young man i know his uncle very well here uh, uncle uh, way way back in the in the days that i was working at a supermarket and he was a union rep here, his uncle is there and i know his family very well this young man was not a twinkle in the eye yet when he was born. <laughs> <laughs> but I know his uncles and whatnot, and I'm very proud of that young man, too, there. Uh, from what I understand and what I'm getting is he's worked very, very hard. Uh, we don't get to hear about uh, golfers in the state of Michigan and whatnot there. I don't know why, but, you know, hopefully I myself personally would do a better job of keeping up on that on that line of fire. And, and, and again, it has some uh, complaints that I have about uh, how we deal with golf programs in the state of Michigan there. And there needs to be a lot more exposure to that there. But that is welcoming news there. He gets to go to the British Open. He gets to go to the U.S. Open, the PGA, and hopefully the Masters. As they got to wait for the Masters to approve them and right. for to be partaking in that particular roundabout little way there. And again, of course, the Masters is it's the masters there, okay? They're always behind, and they think they're the most prestigious golf tournament in the world, which is, you know, I, I have my personal opinions about that as well. I like the uh, British Open, personally, or the yeah. Open, as they call it. Uh, Butch the Davis, Open. yes, joining us on the game. And Butch, over the weekend, something near and dear to my heart uh, happened. Uh, the beginning of the Premier League in England. Uh, certainly, there were a lot of great matches over the weekend. One of the teams that promoted Brentford got it started by knocking off Arsenal. You had lots of goals scored. The fans were back. Uh, mm-hmm. I watched a lot of Premier League football over the weekend. Good to see the fans back, and uh, boy, some great action over the weekend in the UK. NBC and Peacock did not spare one match. Okay? No. If you have that uh, that thing in your lineup there from Comcast, where you got NBC Sports, Peacock, USA Network was used, as well as uh, some of the other uh, conglomerates, uh, the main NBC network there. You got you got so much soccer from seven o'clock in the morning all the way to maybe uh, late at, in the afternoon. There, it, it was incredible there. And yes, there was a lot of goals being scored. So we know the goaltending ain't up to par, <laughs> but them feet are. <laughs> and I saw some incredible goals there. You know, especially when it comes uh, inbounding a kick or inbounding a a pass or something there. Um, that was really ridiculous there. I did see the Arsenal game there, and they did look sorry. But again, uh, with all that saying, the biggest news is is what's going to happen to Evander, not Evander King, which is uh, 
hockey player. Right. But the other Kane. Harry Kane. <laughs> yeah. Told him, yeah. Where would he go? And uh, the, the bets are that he's going to Manchester or Manchester City there. And nobody knows there. But uh, the, the bet is in that he's not going to be – he's going to be with one of those two teams uh, that uh, – when it's going to happen? Are they going to wait to the trading deadline? Which is the trading deadline, I understand, is in August. Okay? Correct, Late end of August. August, yep. Right, so we don't have long to wait, but long, but the season itself with the Premier League, with all the changes in the League and all this other the Champions League and all this other stuff going in and the participants in there, uh, they, they're going to have to make it – Somebody's going to have to make a move in quite in a hurry there to get this this ball rolling there. Yeah, great to see the fans back, and certainly the action was great as well. Finally, Butch, before we get to our thumbs up and thumbs down, SummerSlam this weekend, and the card is set in the WWE. Drew McIntyre will take on Jinder Mahal. U.S. Championship match sees Sheamus taking on Damian Priest. Edge will face Seth Rollins. You also have the SmackDown Women's Championship match. This one's going to be a barn burner. Sasha Banks against Bianca Belair. You have the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match. The Usos against Ray and Dominic Mysterio. Goldberg will be taking on Bobby Lashley in the WWE Championship. You also have a triple threat match for the Raw Women's Championship with Charlotte Flair along with Nikki A.S.H. and Rhea Ripley. And finally, the big one, Universal Championship match, John Cena versus Roman Reigns. Butch, are you excited for SummerSlam? Your thoughts? Well, we get to see some talent, and it's on a Saturday night. Yes. Kids, you don't have to go to bed early and whatnot here. <laughs> yeah, you can sneak popcorn and peanuts and whatever it may be in your bed and watch this thing on the telephone or something. <laughs> I don't know. But it's going to be pretty good. Uh, NXT will be uh, taking their spots on Sunday as well there. Uh, the take uh, the takeover there, uh, NXT on Sunday night there. So you got really a weekend of uh, full-fledged wrestling and all who have the Comcast uh, um, bridge under their under their ladder as far as their uh, dining and dancing pleasure. Get the all they have to do is go to Peacock and they'll get it for free. It should be a lot of fun. Butch, we've got about five minutes left. Let's get to our thumbs up and thumbs down for the week. I have two thumbs up. Thumbs up to the Premier League back with fans over the weekend. Certainly watched a lot of matches, including Brentford, who hasn't been in the top flight of English football in almost 75 years. They won their home opener against Arsenal. You also had Watford, another team that promoted, win a match. My Chelsea Blues look good. They won a match 3-0. Lots of goals, lots of excitement. What I love about the Premier League uh, more than almost any other league is every match matters. There's not a playoff. There's not a, you know, get in the playoffs and then get hot. You have to be good for 38 games, and certainly the Premier League has set the bar pretty high, in my opinion, for viewing pleasure. And And thumbs up to the anonymous seller and buyer of the Honus Wagner baseball card over the weekend. This card set a record selling for $6.6 million, which includes a 20% buyer's premium, shattering the record for the highest selling sports card of all time. The previous record belonged to Mickey Mantle's Topps card in 1952, which sold for $5.2 million. And thumbs down to all those fans 
that paid a high price to get those left field and right field seats over the weekend. Guess what, fans? You want to catch that 500th home run? You're going to have to buy some Angels tickets or maybe some other ones because you didn't get the ball this past weekend. <laughs> Butch, your thumbs up and thumbs down for the week. And it goes from center field, you're crap out. <laughs> you are, yeah. <laughs> Go in the bushes. Yeah, man. <laughs> Hit one of the poles or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That won't cost you nothing. That's here. right. You'll be all pissed off. But <laughs> Scratched up, too. <laughs> Thumbs up for Taylor North here. That's a, that will be, uh, I thought it had been a long time of, in this weekend there, but I got to give it to him. Taylor North, uh, representing the state of Michigan for the Little League uh, dining and dancing pleasure there. Great, great, great thing for uh, the Taylor Ah, Romulus, Southgate, all these cities around in that particular area there. Again, I'm just right down the street five minutes away from Heritage Park, so I'm very happy man. Um, thumbs down. I don't know what to say about this here, but the thumbs down to, I think, the Detroit Tigers and sitting Miguel Cabrera. On Thursday, give them a day off. How can you give a day off to a designated hitter and one who doesn't play the field? But every now and then, I just don't like it. So, hey, I give it to the Detroit Tigers for that. And when it came down to that, hopefully their their payoff will uh, be able to collect dividend if Miguel Cabrera these next three days and Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday can hit that uh, home run, get that 500. If not, I'm going to be laughing to the bank. <laughs> yes, you will. Butch, we got about a minute left. What's ahead for Butch on sports this week? Oh, boy, we covered a whole heck of a lot here. But I guess we're going to cover the interview of Mark Yu and what he has to say about some of the high school teams. Uh, again, we're going to be – I'm going to be parading around the areas there and seeing some of these practices and how they're being conducted there. It's very hot, very strenuous. Uh, we want to make sure that some of the coaches are by buying the heat, uh, particular uh, – Quorum said, that's one question I didn't ask Mark is the heat of yeah. the preservation on there. Because we did have one death so far in the state of Michigan due to heat uh, stroke and whatever it may be. We don't want to have that going on. Um, that would be one of the main objectives here on Butcher on Sports this upcoming Wednesday there. You can catch Butch on Sports on the website Simply Butch 2, that's too.podomatic.com, or our website, thegamesportshow.podbean.com. Butch, appreciate you joining our show and the interview with Mark Yule. We'll talk to you next Monday night for our next edition of the game. Be looking forward. All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. I want to thank Butch Davis along with David McKegg Jr. and our special guest, Mark Ewell, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the game. For Butch Davis, David McKegg, and Mark Ewell, I'm Scott Nason. We'll talk to you next Monday night for our next edition of the game here on ESPN 1400. Thanks for listening to the game here on ESPN 1400, WKNW, Sault Ste. Marie's sports leader. Check us out next Monday at 6 for the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. You can hear the podcast of the show and other broadcasts at thegamesportshow.com.